now that we are more connected than ever through social media, Instagrams, Facebooks, and Twitters, and all that stuff, we tend to care too much about too many things and about too many news and too many people in our lives. And um, recently, um, I've read two books and recommended them to you, um, which deal with this subject, the subject of caring too much about what others think. And these books I want to discuss with you today on the podcast. Right. And what are the names of those two books? So before I start, I just want to warn everyone, this is an explicit episode. We will be using uh, the, and we will not be bleeping out the names of the books. We will use them in full length because there is a reason for strong words in these titles of these books. And I just want to be able to discuss them freely with you. So uh, mm -hmm. we agreed on that. Uh, it's an explicit show. So if you're offended, please don't. Please just don't be or just don't listen. So the first book is The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck uh, by Mark Manson. And the second is Fuck It, The Spiritual Way by John C. Parkin. So I want to clarify one point. You recommended the Fuck It book to me, but The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck uh, I recommend it to you. And I actually read it in early 2017. And I somehow always thought we've discussed this because I remember being very excited about this book. I don't remember that many details. I'm not as excited about it anymore because I don't remember it, though I do have my book notes at radx.io slash books. Uh, but it was a good one. So I'm really surprised we haven't actually discussed this. I'm as surprised as you because the, the subtle art... I thought we already had that done uh, because once you recommended it to me, you're right. Uh, I fell in love with the book as well. So it was very good. It resonated with me. So to prime people and start with, uh, uh, with this, I want to quote something from the very beginning of this book. Mm -hmm. You and everyone you know will be dead soon. And in this short amount of time between here and there, you have a limited number of fucks to give. Very few, in fact. If you go around giving fuck about everything and everyone without conscious thought or choice, well, you're going to get fucked. Oof. <laughs> I, like, this beginning was so strong and I was like, okay, like this, this, this is not going to be right. But the book was brilliant. And um, I understand, like, I, I'm always conflicted, and we talked about it uh, before, um, uh, mm -hmm. you and I, uh, that I'm conflicted about using F-bombs and you know, strong words uh, in, in my vocabulary sometimes. But on the other hand, like in, what I like about these two books is they are not, like, the, the, the strong word here like, highlights the meaning. It highlights that it's not about not just caring as much as you should. It's just, don't give the fuck, or, or just fuck it. Like it's it's just it's very strong, but on the other hand, it just um, it it expresses what the author wants to tell you. Just don't care yeah. so much in a nicer, in a you know stronger way, in a more persuasive way, I should say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, what we did discuss in 2017 on the show in 103 Stoicism is the book A Guide to the Good Life. True. And that is a book I would recommend as well. It's a modern, approachable in introduction to Stoicism. You know what's also a modern, approachable introduction to Stoicism? The subtle art of not giving a fuck. And those bo two books complement each other. 
and perhaps maybe appealing to different kinds of people. But what I like about the subtle art of not giving a fuck is it hits you. Like, because it's so strongly worded, and it does so for a good reason, it's harder to ignore. It's harder to just, you know, ponder about it philosophically, stroking (laughs) your graying beard. It's like, no, man, this is serious shit. And you have to think about it. You have to take action in your life because you're probably pushed to do give a lot of fucks about things that don't deserve that and and are not living a a tranquil life uh, because of that. Yeah, I mean, what th- th- this book was important to me. I mean, both of these books were important to me, but the Arsala art especially because I grew up giving too many fucks basically mm-hmm. i grew up caring about too much about uh people liking me being accepted um uh, like one of the things that you know high school high school sucks um when i was in mm-hmm. high school of course as you know i'm a very short person i'm short and mm-hmm. and being short in poland is not really a, like a nice and a boy a short boy in poland is not really uh easy because all of the boys are tall basically so um so i was the shortest in the class and i was one of the shortest in the in the school and in high school it actually was hard for me and i was hoping that at some point i'm gonna just you know catch a wave and just grow <laughs> grow up <laughs> up and everything it never happened i missed it uh but i remember how how i needed the acceptance and i needed and i was i was feeling insecure because of that uh only later i understood that i was very stupid and and that it shouldn't be something i should uh, care about and that i wouldn't be me if i would be different so uh, i i learned to accept that but it took me years and um and also uh, my my parents who are as you know very cool people but they they my mom especially they they all they always wanted to teach me that you know you shouldn't do this you shouldn't do that like you mustn't like like a, a, a very like a little bit contrarian to to like to what we discussed in the last episode that you said that for you having your own way doing your stuff the your way was more important than what people thought of you in my mm-hmm. case it wasn't the case i was very often a little bit guided by what people were expecting of me or by how we sh- how i should behave or how I, or what i should do and that's why this book resonated so much and struck so many chords let me paraphrase Uh, something from the introduction in the book. In our pursuit of positivity, we self-amplify negative experiences. We get angry for being angry, become more anxious for feeling anxious, more sad for feeling so sad. Ah, the feedback loop from hell. That's so true. Like you, you, uh, it's not just being angry, but then being angry at yourself for being angry. Like this is, this is serious stuff. And, and, People are like that. Like we are like that. We start beating ourselves up too much mm-hmm. and um, uh, being too uh, critical of ourselves. W- very often in situations that really are not important at all. Yeah, it's really interesting to me. I would recommend this book to most people because I really deeply believe in stoicism as a way of life, and yet it's hard to sell it because. It just, like this whole idea, the idea related to stoicism 
just don't feel exciting to talk about. And the connotations with the word is like, ah, just some really old ancient people uh, subtly arguing about stuff that's, that doesn't matter. And, and that's why I like this book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, because it talks about Stoicism with a very modern, very direct take that almost everybody is going to get like on a deep personal emotional level whereas uh even modern uh stoicism books like a guide to the good life if you're not already primed to mm -hmm. think about stoicism uh you might not get it like you might give up and it might just feel boring and and un uninteresting uh it is a good book a guide to the good life if you're already primed and the subtle art of not giving a fuck is the way to to get you primed and actually excited about living without worrying about stuff that's outside of your control or not worth caring about and trying to control. And that's the thing. That's that's the key. One of the keys to this book is that uh, um, uh, uh, Mark Manson is, is is explaining that you know there is stuff you control, and over mm -hmm. there. You know, uh, this is what you can influence. This is what you can do. But you cannot control things like if people will like you, if people will appreciate you, if people will appreciate how you're dressed or how you're, you know, how you look or whatever. So, uh, and and really, it's amplified right now by the social media, and that's why it's very well connected with other, another uh, thing that we discuss on this show: uh, the digital minimalism and not being addicted to social media as much. Because mm -hmm. when you browse. So, I mean, this was one of the keys, you asked me about it, it was one of the keys to my successful detaching myself from the social media was the fact that when I had my uh, month of sabbatical from social media and then I opened Facebook, I started browsing Facebook, I immediately, almost immediately started feeling anxious. Mm -hmm. And I'm having a good life, everything was fine. And then suddenly, I just by browsing it, I started feeling anxious. I started feeling, you know, nervous. And um, again, like seeing all these people having these money, amazing things. And I'm like, ah. like, like it was so quick to observe. Mm -hmm. And I was like, fuck that. And then just closed Facebook and was done. Like, uh, so my reaction was, fuck it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need it anymore. And that was it. So really, it's very easy right now in this day and age to get trapped with this. So, uh, uh, so that's why we should... Again, something we discussed on the show, uh, isolate ourselves from these kind of things. Uh, try to isolate our ourselves from social media much more, trying to be conscious about this because these things create this faith, you know, this uh, um, uh, feedback loop from hell. Let me briefly discuss something about giving a fuck. Even a few years ago, I thought that, you know how um, children, teenagers, high schoolers are either... Like, if they're, quote-unquote, good children, you mm -hmm. know, if, if they're not rebels, they, they care about what their parents think of them and what they tell them to do, what they tell them not to do. And, and oftentimes, overall, usually perhaps, overall, it's a positive influence. You know, the, the, the transfer of life, knowledge, and wisdom from the previous generation to the next generation... And yet, uh, we both know and we both see uh, how often that, oftentimes that's not the case. Uh, how perhaps 
among many good messages, uh, there's a lot of bad stuff, like um, pushing down messages because the parent is trying to relive their own lives uh, through their children, or oftentimes uh, parents become engaged in helicopter parenting and yes. and just give their children too much, and and I I could I could see that. Um, among my friends or just people around me and it's a common theme in in pop culture how uh, you know teenagers high schoolers are often really pressured to do many things they don't necessarily like by their parents and how oftentimes it's just too much they really struggle they 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 get overwhelmed they uh, they develop a very negative self-image because they they can't deal with the pressure and the demands that are coming down from the adults, from their parents. And, and you know, only recently, um, I realized that it doesn't end at high school. Only recently, <laughs> I realized how many people around me are damaged emotionally in some way uh, because of the, the the pressures from their parents when they were in high school. And at age 25, 30 or more, they still haven't gotten over it. They still give a fuck about those things that don't that no longer matter. That years after uh, becoming, Adults, after finding their own way, finding a job, finishing college, they still tie their own sense of self-worth to their parents. And I was shocked to realize that uh, because I, I haven't, <laughs> not like ever, in, <laughs> as far as I, I can remember. Like I respected my parents for the most part and, and tried to learn from what they would tell me for the most part. Sometimes it would take me longer than others, but but I I like very early on I, I developed the sense of kind of trying to discover my own path. And and I can see that's definitely not the case for so many people. This never stops, man. Like for many yeah. people, it's just like they are like people much older than me have these issues with their oh, yeah. parents. Oh, it's, yeah. it's it's crazy stuff, uh, and um, it and it really takes courage, uh, and and um, it's 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 very difficult to to detach yourself from that. You know, uh, in, in my case, it's very funny because um, like from on one hand, luckily my father shares my values. Mm -hmm. He, I, I, or like genetically, I have his values kind of uh, <laughs> because. He like he cares about things that my mom. Uh, he doesn't care about things that my mom cares about a lot, and they fight over this very often because he just doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> and uh, but on the other hand, he cares about other things. And uh, it's funny because we work in the same company. He's my financial um, VP of finance, and uh, I have to really f sometimes face him and and talk to him about stuff. And uh, and we manage to really talk like peers on that mm -hmm. which is which is really good but but still like like for me personally the good thing is my parents were very accepting uh, of me for example you know starting on my own uh, having my own company instead of you know going for the corporate ladder um so that was good and and they were accepting of 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 the way i was doing it although they sometimes didn't understand uh, why i was doing it the way i was but still 
I re realized I trapped myself because I'm in, in IT, let's say. So I was in the startup world and I was looking at other startups, other companies, other startup founders being more successful or having bigger companies or mm. having investments from major companies, all that stuff. And I saw myself being, being kind of trying to project myself and compare myself to them and all that stuff. And I like, I kind of, I, I, I feel ashamed admitting this, but I was really like, I, I remember I sensed this kind of envy and, 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 and anxiousness, like, like saying, oh, this guy is so successful and I'm not, you know, I'm doing something wrong, you know, like I've been running this company for the last 13 years and, you know, we are not multi-billionaires, like what's wrong with me, <laughs> right? Like, but in this book, what, what, what the author is arguing is that you have to have your own measure of success your own oh, yeah. unique measure of success. You you shouldn't measure yourself to others. You should measure yourself to what is really important to you. And turns out one of my values and one of more, more important things for me is the value of freedom, is mm. to do whatever the fuck I want. So- oh, yeah. Amen, uh, brother. And and because of that, like it, it clarified. I mean, this kind of like when I reached, reached this conclusion, uh, I I, I started, started realizing that that's why I'm doing the stuff I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't care. Like, it, like of course, of course, I care that we sell our Nosby teams and we get successful with that. Yes, I do, of course. But it's not the goal. It's not the point to be a millionaire, billionaire, whatever. This is not what I. I mean, this is not my measure of success. If it comes and we are all billionaires, like good yeah, that would be nice but it would be nice we won't complain but it's not the point the point is to create an app a, a solution that helps others like like we have this uh, a slogan i really like to help small teams do great things like mm -hmm. this is something that excites me and and the technology around it and all that stuff you know that and on the other hand uh, i also have to limit myself from these influences, from these bad influences of, 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 of putting their point of view. So one of the tricks I'm, I'm, I'm uh, practical tricks I'm, I'm doing inspired by this book, um, that I wrote a whole blog post. We will link in the show notes, uh, mm -hmm. on my personal blog that Nosby doesn't accept any investments. And, uh, it, it's like straightforward why we don't accept investments that we are a boosted company. We are funded by our customers and we are not accepting any investments. I have hundred percent stake in, in the company and it's not going to change. This is how it is. And now that I get emails from investors and from potential advisors or any other people who want to really take part in our business, I, I, I write to them very nicely. Thanks for reaching out. But I don't think, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an alignment. We are in alignment <laughs> because I don't need investments. I don't want investments. And here's a link to my blog post about it. And that's it. It's, 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 you know, kind of showing them the finger, but in a nice way, but showing them that this is what I value. This is what I want. And, and this way I don't, which is another thing, Rebek, is I don't get trapped into having these conversations with them because mm -hmm. other, because before that, like Michael, a few years back would think kind of, would, would, would feel obliged. Okay. This is the famous, famous investor. He wants to talk to me. Maybe I should talk to them. No, now I just. They completely uh, tell them, I'm sorry, thank you very much. I even don't want to talk to you because I, I know how much time I need to do my stuff, you know, to prepare our Nosby Teams launch and all that stuff. I have things to do uh, and I don't want to be spending my, my time talking to you if, if it doesn't benefit me. It's not, for, it's not aligned to what I want. And, 
And thanks to this kind of email with this blog post, I can distance myself from them and not be influenced and impacted and feel obliged or feel like I should do something which I don't want. You know, stoicism or not giving a fuck is kind of like doing Marie Kondo but <laughs> on your emotional life. Yeah, what brings you joy, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me again paraphrase a bunch of stuff from my notes since uh, my past self that has written them up is much smarter about this subject than the current me. <laughs> so let me tell you about the subtleties of not giving a fuck. One, not giving a fuck doesn't mean being indifferent. That would be crazy. It means being comfortable with being different and choosing your own path. Two, cool. It means not caring about adversity or pissing someone off, precisely because we give a fuck about something more important, something we think is right. Three, there's a limited amount of fucks you can give. So to focus on what truly matters, you have no choice but to not give a fuck about everything that doesn't. Man, this is so good. Exactly, it's not about not completely being careless and just, uh, I just, just, it's not about being um, self-absorbed and just, I just care about things that I care about and that's it. No, it's about choosing your battles. It's about caring about things that are really worth caring for. And, and that's, the, that's the whole difference because we are pushed by other people's agenda. Very often we are kind of, kind of forced to care about things that we really don't care about. And that's the wrong thing. Yeah. Another thing about stoicism or the subtle art of not giving a fuck is the matter of work and struggle because struggle is a fact of life. And to achieve good things, you often need to struggle. And there is a very subtle distinction here. It's kind of hard to articulate in just a few words. But on one hand, as a practicing Stoic, you're supposed to reject or not give a fuck about things that just don't matter. And in general, in the pursuit of tranquil life, you, you just want to distance yourself from things that you know bring negative emotions because it's a pursuit of positive emotions. And yet, that like coming back to the beginning and are kind of looping and, and us feeling sad, making us feel more sad that we're so sad, it's, it's, you gotta cut that crap because in life you will struggle and you will feel pain and it's okay. And while you want to reject things that don't matter and that you know you can reject and just be okay and pursue your own path, even when pursuing your own path, you still will struggle. And part of the subtle art of not giving a fuck is accepting that. Accepting that sometimes you're gonna feel sad, sometimes you're gonna feel angry, sometimes you're gonna feel shitty, and success will require long hours of practice and discipline, and it's going to be uncomfortable. And it's okay. And when you accept that, when you kind of come from the frame of mind that while you pursue tranquility, 
sometimes it's tough and you don't ascribe value to it like you're doing something wrong or there's something wrong with you or man I should be happy right now then it's gonna be okay and you're not gonna stress about it you're not gonna really drone on about it loop loop this thought in your head that there's something wrong with you it's just gonna be fine and and you're gonna go through with it um with tranquility maybe not full-on joy but once you accept it, as I said, hard to quite articulate, you got to read mm-hmm. the book. It's, it doesn't have the same sting. This, this struggle doesn't have the power over you to make you feel so bad. It's just a thing. It's just a thought that's happening in your head and it passes away and you don't have to give a fuck about it. <laughs> I mean, there is a reason why getting out of your comfort zone is not easy. Like, <laughs> there's a comfort zone and you're getting out of it. So like, it's going to be hard. <laughs> but on the other hand, this is where you grow. This is where you become a better person. Mm-hmm. But I also want to like, continue this, this, uh, this course of um, explaining that it's really good to, to um, set expectations uh, and, and, uh, mm-hmm. of yourself and of others. So for example, another thing that from my life was that when I was living in Warsaw, um, I was taking part in many conferences because they were there. Mm-hmm. And and I felt like, uh, and also startup meetings and all that stuff. And I really liked it. And I liked it. I liked the fact of being recognized as somebody and all that stuff. And I realized that this is a trap that I could very quickly fall into of, 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 of giving it too much um, uh, meaning. Uh, to be recognized, to be somebody in a, in a you know in a small environment of of people who are meeting together, um, uh, who like you know in these conferences and all that stuff. And I realized that this is also something by watching Silicon Valley, for example, on HBO, uh, that <laughs> these guys in Silicon Valley also pay lots of attention to, like who has more billions, who has I don't know fancier car or whatever. And one of the things I'm happy about is that I don't live in Warsaw anymore. <laughs> I don't live in the in a in a big city anymore where this doesn't affect me because i know that this could be a point that it would uh, i would like like by not living there again i i distance myself from it a little bit more and i give myself more space and i make it easier for me to not give a fuck hmm. so so that's why i'm saying this like the, the, i think the same techniques we used to distance ourselves from social media or distance, like the same tricks we they can be applied also to here to to helping yourself not care about these things by just setting boundaries or just you know creating environment where you don't have to give enough fucks about things that you don't care about that's so good man i know we talked about it many times on the show i i, I just tried to find the episode but i couldn't but many times we talked about letting go learning to let yes. go this is mm-hmm. such a big deal and i i i sense this because i you know when i get into things i i, I tend to get into them into them pretty deeply and i yes, do. <laughs> i i do tend to pursue projects or or hobbies on or you know other things for for years and years because like if i enjoy it i keep doing it but sometimes at some point i I want to do something else or I get bored with it or my priorities change. But for a while, I, I find it hard to accept it. And, and, and there's, a, there's a certain period of time where 
I've not yet realized that that I stopped giving a fuck about this and I have to let go. There are many th th things like that. Like I, I used to, you know, write multiple, many blog posts per year. <laughs> that doesn't sound like much, right? But I wrote many blog posts per year, like tech, like deeply technical things. Uh, and that was good for me. But at a certain point, I just, uh, I couldn't do it. Like it was too much. It was stressful, too much work. It didn't brought me joy anymore. And I felt like, you know, this is important. I should do it. And look, it is important. It has value. I can definitely see m myself getting back to it at some point when I have the right idea or like, I feel like, man, I, I really have to get this idea out to the world. But I, I stopped giving a fuck about this. And after a while, I accepted it and I stopped trying to push myself to do it. I also like try to keep up. Like when I was thinking that I'm spending too much time on social media, I felt like, man, you know, this is important, you know, there's professional connections and whatnot. I should keep up, keep this up. And after a while, I realized that eh, it's not, not that big of a deal. Or like um, more recently, over the last couple of years, I became less and less interested in iOS development. Like I still do it. But there are other things in in my programming work that just became more interesting to me. And after a while, I stopped caring so much that I have to keep doing it. Or when I was going to the gym a couple of times per week, and it was great for a while, but eventually I just had to let go and, and stop trying to push myself to for it to make space for other hobbies or other things I can pursue and try to get good at and whatnot. By the way, now I live in Warsaw and I'm not feeling the what you were feeling then and it's great and it's chill, but definitely not how Warsaw is perceived. No, I mean, uh, that's the thing. Uh, many places are many things to many people. Like in to, oh, my, yeah. to, to me, Warsaw was like that because I was tempted by these and these things. For you, Warsaw is fantastic because you have a hacker space and you can go there mm -hmm. and mill and laser cut and stuff so uh, so you know it's 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 different um so i'm not I'm, i wasn't saying that warsaw is bad general it was bad for me at this moment in my life uh for these reasons so um so t totally not anti-warsaw uh, um, episode here um <laughs> michael talk about responsibility that's kind of your thing and you, you you often talk about blame and responsibility also very much part of this book yeah uh so um and this is this is something very uh, dear to my heart because um, I hate it when uh, when people uh, don't own their shit. Mm. <laughs> like uh, I hate it when people are um, are blaming others for their you know for, for like actually are are ceding control of of what they do to others. And and this is another thing that. Um, uh, Mark Manson is saying, like you should, con like you should care about things that you can control. And for me, if I make a mistake, if I'm responsible for something, uh, this is where I can control. But sometimes things are out of my control, and I have to recognize that. And and I shouldn't care about this, about these things that are beyond my control. But I can always always learn and see. Maybe there was a point where I had control, or maybe there was something I could have done better to have control over this, to be able to influence it better. And I feel like many people don't have this uh, thought process that even if something goes wrong, they just say, okay, it went wrong, it wasn't my fault. 
look at it, study it, see, maybe you should have, you could have done something differently, maybe not, and it's fine, but maybe you could have. And I always look for ways to improve. I always look for lessons learned uh, from, from mistakes, but without too much attachment, without, you know, just thinking, if there is anything else I could have done uh, differently, this maybe would have been better. And I think many people don't have that. So, so for me, for me, like, especially with, with kids now that my kids tell me like, this happened to me. What can I do? This one, like, like, I'm annoyed. I'm frustrated because I'm like, come on, just like, take your control, own your stuff, own your shit, and then you'll be happier. Yeah. Again, let me quote my paraphrase. You're always responsible. Always. Doesn't matter if it's your fault or if someone else can be blamed. Ultimately, you are the only person responsible for your own life. Take it. Yes. No one else will. Even if you have no control over the bad things that happen to you, you still choose how to interpret them and how to respond to them. I guess that last bit is really important because it's a subtle art of not giving a fuck and you're not supposed to give a fuck about things you cannot control. But even though, even when you can't control things that happen to you, even if it's not technically your fault, you're still responsible because you can still control how you respond to it, how, 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 it how you. you feel about it, how, how it affects you and what you do about it. And if you do something to make this not happen again or just choose not to give a fuck about this, but consider it and, and not be angry at the world or someone else that this happened, but see, choose to make it your decision, your responsibility. And just many people don't do it. And I just, I, I hear it over and over again and it just mm. pisses me off <laughs> whenever people just don't own their stuff, that they don't own this responsibility. It's it's annoying because, and, and what's, what's really crucial here is that if you don't own responsibility, you will never learn. You will never be better. It, because it will always say, ah, it just happens to me. And then you, and, and then what you, what, what happens is that you say, huh, it always happens to me. I must be really <laughs> bad. I must be really bad person. And then the feedback loop from hell starts again. Mm -hmm. So this is really crucial. Like, <laughs> like whenever I meet people that they, they don't do it, I know like, man, like you had that there and, and you lost it. You, like, you had a chance here to learn something new and then you lost it. So, um, this is really important. You're, you're totally right. Like this, this responsibility part. Without that, we are not progressing. We are not moving forward. And then we are trapped in our past and in our, you know, image of ourselves that we built. That this stuff happens to me. Man. <laughs> also, uh, as something that uh, that was in the other book, the the fuck it. Um, uh, like there were a few quotes there, but the most important thing that affected me was the fuck it parenting. Mm. Uh, the problem that, uh, again, we talked about parents and, and kids. You can try to influence your kids in a way, like teach them stuff, and not really teach them stuff, set an example, actually, because they are very <laughs> good observers. <laughs> they actually know what you're doing. So, yeah. so you can set an example, but ultimately they will choose their way. Mm -hmm. uh, they will be themselves. And, and uh, as we discussed <laughs> just today, um, if you uh, want to 
create them, mold them your way, you will fail and there will be problems and there will be dramas and the, the life will be very difficult over the next years to come. And it's really hard because they're your kids. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, sometimes you just have to let go, as you mentioned. Just let go. Let, let them play. Let them do this. Let them have this. Let them, uh, you know, try this. And uh, you can warn them, you can tell them, like, but just, you know, let them go. And this is hard for me. Uh, but now as as Milena, uh, our my eldest daughter, she's turning 11 and she's becoming a teenager, uh, I can see that, you know, uh, I, I want to extend her, you know, barriers, her boundaries. I want to like, help her, you know, try things, fail. And, and, and she, you know, she should be uh, uh, trying things for making, making like her own, like be, becoming her own self. And it's hard because I know some stuff because I'm older uh, and I want to protect her. But on the other hand, I cannot always protect her from herself. So she should be that one, that person that owns that stuff. Yeah. I, I often observe parents, hard not to, and I get the sense that parents forget or don't realize that their children are not their project, they're not their job, they're not their pet, they're not themselves, and they're not their own property. They're little human beings, and human beings do what the human beings do. They just live their own life. And even if you have um, power over them, uh, in a way you don't have power over other adults most of the <laughs> time, and no one will deny you m most of that power, That this power is still illusory. And Yes, it is. And you can try and you can do things better or worse, but they're their own selves they're they're individual human beings and there, there's just not that much you can do about it at some point okay we're getting very deep and we should uh, start finishing the show but i i have um uh, so i want to start with i want to give a, a, another example which is a bit lighter but on the other hand it's 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 a bit more challenging and cheeky mm -hmm. so um i wrote up this article, I had this problem with email. I'm not answering email too, 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 too well. So I wrote this article that I'm emailing like texting. So I'm like emailing like a boss, like just a short sentence, uh, like very, like no best regards, no nothing, no hello, just replying very quickly uh, in a short way because this, this makes email fun for me and this makes me want to reply emails, which I wouldn't want to do that. And I posted an article about it on on uh, on iMagazine blog and on, in iMagazine iMagazine magazine, and I got lots of feedback. Mm. I got lots of bad feedback saying, mm. "Yeah, you're like uh, this asshole who doesn't want to respond to people, who doesn't respect others. You don't want to do mm. whatever." And this is also what happens when you don't give a fuck about things, and you but but you do give other fucks. So yeah, my experience has been completely different. When I introduced this policy, people who I interacted with were happy that I replied quickly, were happy that they connected with me, and we got shit done together, thanks yeah. to me being responsive and being quick and being fast and not caring about her, dear John, whatever. It, they had no problem with that. They had problem when I, was, when I, when I wasn't res responding at all. So, of course, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big difference. But the people that were aligned with me didn't care about these niceties. What they cared about getting stuff together. And we did. And we do. So my experience wasn't that. Like I wasn't. And if somebody felt disrespected, okay, I'm going to own it. I'm sorry. 
but this is the way but this is the for me the only reasonable way to answer emails this way i i can do it faster nicer uh, like for me and if you're not aligned with that it's fine I can be criticized and it's okay. And this is, so what I wanted to say here is okay to be criticized and to do something a little bit differently than other people. And, and being, and I expected some backlash. I expected some criticism, but I can see from my own experience that I introduced something, I experimented with something and it works. If it works, it's fine. I don't have to explain everything to everyone and just, you know, give a fuck about what other people think who don't want to work with me, who don't want to do stuff with me. Yeah. Uh, seeking respect and the recognition of your power or authority is a very clear sign of giving too many fucks because yes. you're clearly expending your valuable fucks at stuff that just doesn't matter. When you are at your deathbed, are you really going to care if someone formatted this email in a way that acknowledged that you're a boss that you've achieved something in life no who cares doesn't matter so yeah i i, I see that a lot um i get the sense that it's more among an older generation but that might be just a um uh, a bias maybe that's something that grows in everybody over time but it's just it's so distasteful to me um, when, when someone re responds, you know, this way that that they don't care about the the, the meat of the matter, the, the important stuff, but whether or not I'm showing them enough respect and 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 wrapping everything in enough layers of niceties that uh, they can accommodate me and and they understand that I understand that they're really a big deal. Who cares? Exactly. Exactly. So. There you go. The subtle art of not giving a fuck is about being very respectful to yourself, very respectful to others, and very respectful about things that really have fucks to give for. And not much else.